Good morning, everyone. Hope we're all all right. This morning, we're continuing our sermon series uh, on the book of Jonah. All right. Third week of this new series. If you've got your Bibles with you, you might want to start trying to find the book of Jonah. Um, I'm really enjoying this series so far, taking a refreshing look at one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. And I think um, taking something which is completely familiar with us and breathing new life into it is so important. Because I think the familiarity of this story, of this book, is an amazing starting point for us. In our community group a few weeks ago, we started off by just saying, so what does everyone think about the book of Jonah? You all know the story. What do you think it says? What do you think the point of it is? And it's that sort of story, isn't it? It's a sort of story that you know inside out, but God can continue to reveal stuff to you through it. All right. Um, And that's the amazing thing about God. We never stop learning from him. Like, he can continue to speak to us, even in the most familiar things. So my challenge for you, really, is to be really open during this series. As we look at the book of Jonah, be really open and say, well, actually, what is God saying to me through this? What, God, what might God be saying to us as a church through this as well? All right, be really open to that. Okay, let's look at Jonah chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 4 to 8 of Jonah 1. They'll be on the screen behind me as well. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own god. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your gods. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we won't perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? Okay. So where are we up to in this story? Let's give a quick recap. As we heard last week from Raj, um, Jonah was given a really clear message from God to go and speak to the people of Nineveh. All right? He was going to go and tell them to repent of their sins, to change their ways. And this was a huge task that God had asked of Jonah. I found it really helpful when Simon compared it to going into Nazi Germany and speaking out against the Nazi people. It was that sort of message. It was a huge task. And Jonah refused. He ran away and boarded a boat to get as far away as he possibly could from the place he was supposed to go. He boarded a boat to Tarshish. All right? And if you're wondering where Tarshish is, okay, it's in the Mediterranean near to a wonderful place called Gibraltar. Anyone been to Gibraltar? If you haven't, you are missing out on my homeland. All right? um, clearly a good place to go and visit. But we pick up the story here on the way to Tarshish, where it takes a dramatic turn and God steps in with a huge, violent storm. And I just want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the storm, okay? Because I found it really interesting as I was studying this talk, just the significance of this storm. Because looking at this story at first, at first glance, it could appear that God's like an angry God. And he just wreaks havoc on Jonah as a way of punishing him and making his will known. But actually, I think there was a lot more to this storm than just that. Like This wasn't just God throwing his toys out of pram. 
There's more to this storm than just that. Yes, God was probably angry with Jonah for ignoring him and running away. But this isn't just a case of punishing Jonah. See, within the Old Testament, the imagery of a storm was often used as a way of God speaking to people. We see that throughout the Old Testament. There are a few different examples of God using storms to to speak to people. We see it in the stories of Job and Elijah and Jeremiah and Zechariah and, of course, uh, with Jonah. God often used storms to reveal himself to people, to catch their attention and speak to them. And it's really clear in the language that this is written, all right, that God was using this storm for his will. So the Hebrew word, now we're getting a bit of a Hebrew lesson here, okay, so this is a blessing for you. The Hebrew word here used for wind, okay, is the word ruah, which you may recognize as being the same word as the word for spirit or breath in the Bible. So the same word, ruah, was used in the book of Genesis as God's ruah moving over the face of the waters before the earth was formed. Also in the book of Ezekiel for God breathing his ruah into the dry bones to make them live. That's the same word as the word used for wind in this story. See, it could not be any clearer that God was using this storm of a way of bringing Jonah to his senses. It was as if he was saying, like, a massive signal which said, hello, you can't run from me. I'm God. Hello, you can't run from God. And I think there's something significant in there for us. So this morning, I want to look at what's happening in this story and relate it to us as individuals. I just want to look at what this passage can teach us about the storms of life that we face. And I want to uh, unpack three points here. Okay, uh, What are the storms of life? Our response to storms. And finally, God's response to storms. That's where we're going this morning. But what do I mean by storms of life? Well, I think that we can all recognise that as people, we face various different storms within our life. Moral storms, economic storms, emotional storms, bad things happening to us, difficult situations, lots of different types of storms. And sometimes it can seem relentless, can't it? We can feel like we're always in a storm. Like, to use the famous words of the band Travis off of the 90s, why does it always rain on me? It can sometimes feel like that, can't it? It can sometimes feel like the world is rocked and battered and tossed around by these storms. We can recognise, and I'm sure as I'm speaking, you can recognise storms in your life. And people face these storms with fear and anxiety. These storms can be very personal. It can be a situation that affects you uh, or your family, a difficult period or an illness or a relationship breakdown. But there are also huge storms which affect us as a society today. Like huge moral storms, issues of marriage and gender identity and abortion and politics. Like as people, we can feel constantly rocked and shaken and without a proper foundation, we can fall completely when the storms of life come. See, in the same way that according to this passage, the boat that Jonah was on was ready to break up because of the storms, our response to life storms can be very similar. If we're not careful, the storms that we face in our life can destroy us. They can destroy our faith. I just want to look at where these storms come from. 
All right, see, some of the storms in our lives are storms attached to sin. Okay? And this is one of the big themes within the Old Testament, especially within um, the book of Proverbs. Every act of disobedience to God has a storm attached to it. Now, it's important to use a bit of wisdom here. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We need to be careful not to just assume that every difficult thing that comes into our lives is a punishment for a particular sin. We only need to uh, look at the book of Job to contradict that. You know, Bad things don't just happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people as well. But we do need to recognise sin's part in the storms of life. So this is a quote from Tim Keller. He says, The Bible does not say that every difficulty is a result of sin. But it does teach that every sin will lead to difficulty. If we violate the design and purpose of things, if we sin against our bodies, our relationships, or society, they strike back. There are consequences. Not every difficulty is the result of sin, but every sin will lead to difficulty. And look, we have to believe in a just God. Like something within us as people cries out for justice. So we have to believe in a God who judges. And thankfully, we're not treated as our sins deserve. As we've heard already this morning, God's gracious. He sent Jesus for us, and I'm personally so, so thankful for that. But we do need to recognise sin. See, we're designed to worship God. We're designed to live for him. That's what we're made for. And anything we put ahead of God and in his place, anything that we worship instead of him, that's a sin. And that goes against our very design. That goes against everything that we're made for. Just like Jonah running away from what he was made for, putting his own selfishness before God's. And this is challenging stuff, but it's important that we recognise the part that um, sin can play in the storms of life that we face. Like those lustful desires when acted upon uh, can lead to relationship breakdown. Like that love of money can lead to financial difficulties. There are storms in our life that are attached to sinfulness and we need to recognise that. That has got to be our way of trying to deal with and counteract these storms by knowing where they come from. Thankfully, as we see later on in the story, God is gracious and merciful, as well as being just. Do you know what? I look back on my life and I think of some of the storms that I've faced, and I clearly see that so many of them was just me choosing to ignore God and do things on my own. It's like I knew exactly what God wanted me to do and went off and did the opposite, expecting things to turn out okay. There are storms attached to sin. I think, though, as well as that, there's also storms attached to the very nature of sinfulness. Okay, so you look at the story. The storm was a result of Jonah's sin, wasn't it? He ran away from God's. Um, he ignored his call and he messed up. But what we also see in this story is that the sailors and the other guys on the boat ended up being caught in this same storm as well. See, so many of the storms that we face in life are a direct result of living in a fallen world. We're going to face trouble because of that. We live in a fallen world. Sin entered the world when Adam and Eve ate that fruit, when everything was messed up. We live in a fallen world. Do you know what? Everyone can recognise that. A few weeks ago, I went into the A-level RE class at the uh, college that I work in. They had this session where they were grilling a Christian. Okay, And these like, feisty A-level students just giving me like loads of um, arguments against Christianity. It was an absolute nightmare. All right? They grilled them in every sim- single topic. 
He grew out of nothing, that said. But at the end of that um, session, that RE lesson, what became apparent is that all of these students recognised that the world was messed up. The one thing we all agreed on was the fact that the world is a terrible place. Like, even though they didn't recognise God even existed, even though they didn't know anything about Christianity, they recognised that the world was a terrible place. As Christians, we know what that is, don't we? We know that we live in a fallen world. We know because of Adam and Eve's sin. But going back to our story, see, the sailors ended up actually coming to faith in a true God, recognising him and crying out to him later in the story, even though this storm wasn't their fault. They just ended up getting caught in it. It led to a good thing. That's important. Even though the storm wasn't their fault, it ended up leading to a good thing. And as Christians, we need to believe passages like Romans 8, 28, God working things together for our good. We need to recognise that God works things together for our good. And that should be our motivation and something to hold on to when we face the storms of life. Like, you may not have the answer to the storm that you're facing. You may feel like completely knocked over by the storm. But you know what you can confidently say as a Christian? God works everything together for the good of those who love him. So hey, whatever storm you're going through at the minute, recognise that truth, Romans 8, 28, God works things together for the good of those who love him. And I think we need to try and look at the storms of life through that lens and think actually, what is God doing here? When we're going through difficult situations, we need to look at, well, what is God doing here? Time after time we see uh, in the Bible God taking people through journeys and storms in order to waken them up to things they wouldn't have seen otherwise to develop and to mature them. We think about Joseph or Moses or Abraham in the Bible. We could think of many others. The storms of life that we face can develop fruits of the Spirit in us in a way that nothing else can. Patience and kindness and humility and self-control. The storms of life can create and, and help to grow those within us. We can learn through difficulties. Of course, when we look at storms of life, it's important that we recognise and understand God's character. Like God didn't create the world for suffering. That's all the result of the fall, as we talked about earlier. Actually, it says in Isaiah 63 that in all of our afflictions, he is also afflicted. When we struggle, God feels that. When we go through difficulties, God feels that. God didn't just send this storm into your life for entertainment. So look, now I've recognised what some of the storms of life are, I just want to look at this story in a bit more detail and look at some of the different reactions that we see within this story to storms, okay? The first of these was Jonah's reaction. Where did we find Jonah during the storm? Fast asleep on the boat. There's this unbelievable storm happening outside and Jonah's fast asleep on the boat. It reminds me a little bit of the story of Jesus. There's a similar story, isn't there, where the disciples are on a boat and Jesus is fast asleep all right, but what we see here from Jonah is a very different type of sleep. This isn't the peaceful, tranquil, uh, tranquil sleep that Jesus had. See, it seems that Jonah's sleep was a way of avoiding the implications of his calling altogether. It was his way of saying, look, just let me go to sleep and I won't have to think about it. I just want to switch off. And that can be a common standpoint for us as people, can't it? We just want to switch off sometimes. We just want to go to sleep. Hayley goes mad at me sometimes because whenever she's feeling unwell or ill or having a bad day, I just tell her to go to bed. 
So she'll come in from work and she'll be like, oh, I feel really unwell. I'm like, just go to sleep. You'll be fine. You'll feel much better. And she goes mad. She says, just listen to what's, you know, what's wrong with me. But as humans, that can be our instinct. Avoid dealing with the issue. Just switch off. As Terry Virgo says when describing this story, he says, we can experience a tiredness that is not healthy. A sleep that says, I can't face reality anymore. I can't cope with the responsibility. Jonah had already run away physically, and now he was running away mentally. He lost all sense of purpose, and along with it, the sense of urgency. Dejected and weary, he, qua- he crawled below the deck and fell asleep. And that can be our reaction to the storms of life, can't it? Instead of pressing into God, leaning on our foundation, looking at him, we can switch off completely and think, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. Look, let me challenge you, all right? Have you ever done that? In the middle of a difficulty, have you ever closed up spiritually and gone to sleep? Have you ever put a wall up between you and God and just zoned out? Hey, it's not always as clear-cut as making that decision and putting that wall up between you and God. It can also be a process that happens after a period. A prolonged season of a storm in your life and you could end up wandering through it aimlessly instead of pressing into God. And what happens is you end up being completely dejected from God. You end up being asleep, just like Jonah. Look, you might be feeling that right now. You might be in the midst of a storm at the minute. You might be in the midst of a difficult situation in your life at the minute and you've been shutting God out as your way of dealing with the storm. Maybe you've been shutting the church out as a way of dealing with that storm. Let me just say to you today, if that's you, if you put that wall up between you and God, let me just say it won't work. It won't work. As Jonah found out, shutting God down, sleeping, switching off in the midst of difficulties will never, never work. God will pursue you. He'll come after you. He might even be doing that this morning. You might have felt that this morning. You might feel actually God's on my case this morning. See, as we said, I think Jonah was sleeping in the boat as a way of avoiding his responsibility, but uh, just another way of running away from God, running away from his presence. But the Bible says we just can't do that. We can't run away from God's presence. I'm sorry if you've been trying, but you can't do it. Jeremiah 23 says, uh, God says, Am I only a God nearby and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places where I can't see them? Do I not fill heaven and earth? You simply can't hide from God. You can't hide from his presence. If God's hand is on your life, his hand is on your life. Hey, press into him. If you're in the midst of a storm right now, press into him. Even if you aren't in a storm right now, press into him. Prepare yourself, because he is all you need. Jubilee, God wants his people to be awake, switched on and pressing into him. That is the way to deal with the storms of life. It doesn't make them any easier. God doesn't promise that. God doesn't promise us an easy life. But he will walk through that storm with you if you press into him. So that was Jonah's way of dealing with the storm. We also see another human reaction to dealing with the storm in this story. Look at how the sailors dealt with it. They tried everything they could to stop the storm. They called out to their own gods, the various pagan gods that they worshipped, as a way of trying to get the storm to stop. 
When that didn't work, they tried everything in their own human power to save themselves. They threw cargo overboard. They tried to lighten the loads. It looks to me like they went into survival mode, like doing everything they could to save themselves. But who can relate to that? Sometimes when we go through difficulties, when things are going wrong for us in the midst of the storm, our reaction can be to try and become lord of our own lives, to try and fix things ourselves, to try and take control of the situation. I've certainly been there before. We start making our own plans instead of looking to God. We start trying to get ourselves out of the situation instead of looking to God. And usually the results in these situations are the same. Like, yes, sometimes you might solve the initial problem. Things might start to look a little bit better, but the root of the problem is still there. As people, we can never solve anything. We need God. And the sailors in the story realised that. What I love about this story is that the sailors knew they needed something greater than themselves to save them. And that's why they um, cast lots and, and asked Jonah, what have you done to cause this storm? They got there eventually. They realised that in all of their striving, they couldn't fix the storm. Okay, they could get rid of some cargo, but that would only work for a while. They needed a real solution. They needed to look at something greater than themselves as a solution to this storm. And there's so much we can learn from this. Our reaction to difficulties, to storms, should always be the same. We should look to the one who is greater than ourselves. Look to the one who is greater than ourselves. Thankfully, as Christians, we know who that is. We know that that's Jesus, don't we? In the midst of the storm, Jesus doesn't tell us to strive and try and fix things ourselves. No, no, he tells us to come to him. Put our trust in him. Take comfort from him. So as we've seen, two big reactions as people to the storm... We either run away completely or we try and fix things ourselves. But actually, Jubilee, God gives us the very tools to deal with the storm. He gives us his Holy Spirit, the very presence of God living in us. The very presence of God living in us. That is how we deal with the storms of life. That's how we should deal with them. Take that step today. If you've been running from God, stop running. You're going to have to stop eventually anyway. You might as well stop today. If you've been striving, trying to fix things yourself, if you've been trying to become Lord of your own life, stop that and just let God in. That's how you're going to deal with these difficulties in your life. But the last thing I want to look at today is God's reaction to the storms of life. We've looked at how we react. And one of the things that you'll see throughout the book of Jonah, it's one of the things I love in the book of Jonah, is God's way of dealing with Jonah's arrogant attitude again and again and again. See, one of Jonah's biggest issues was thinking that he was better than the Gentile people, people who didn't know God. See, Jonah couldn't come to terms with the fact that God wanted to help or even use the Gentile people. He couldn't do it. Jonah couldn't get his tiny little head around the fact that God actually wanted to uh, work in these guys' lives. He was just too stubborn. But God being God, he gets his way by showing Jonah just how much he can work through different people. We see this amazing conversation in verse 6, I love it, where the captain of the boat, a Gentile, the very person Jonah thinks he's better than, basically ends up telling Jonah to get a grip. I don't know how you translate that into Farsi. But um, he says, how could you sleep? Like, get up and call on your God and do something. 
Like, the captain uses pretty much the same language as God used when he calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. Like, get up and go. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? God had told Jonah to give a message to the Gentiles, and Jonah had refused. So now God was using the Gentiles to give a message to him. I absolutely love the irony of that. Like, God's got a sense of humor, hasn't he? But do you know what? In this conversation in, in verse 6, there's a massive challenge here for the church. Massive. See, Jonah was the big prophet. Even the heathen sailors, the, the Gentile sailors, would have known that. They would have known that this was supposed to be a man of God. They would have known that. Instead of, being, uh, instead of Jonah being an example to them and trying to help them, he just goes to sleep. And then we get the, the picture of the captain rebuking him. What on earth do you think you're doing? You're supposed to be a man of God. Do us a favor for goodness sake and wake up. Guys, let me just pose a quick question to you. Okay, take that scene. All right, you're going to have to work with me here. Take that scene and replace Jonah with the Christian church and replace the captain with the outside world looking in. Replace Jonah with the Christian church and replace the captain with the outside world looking in. And suddenly that conversation can sound very, very similar. And what are you doing about poverty in the area? What are you doing about crime? What are you doing about addictions? What are you doing about unemployment? What are you doing about mental health? What are you doing about broken families? You're supposed to be the people of God. What on earth are you doing? It's challenging. It's challenging. If we just look at it in that way, we're supposed to be people of God. I'm not talking about Jubilee. I'm talking about the Christian church. And the world can look at us sometimes and say, what are you doing? We're Christ's ambassadors. As Christians, we need to be shining God's light in the difficult situations. We need to be shining God's light into the storms of life. Jubilee, we are God's plan for dealing with the storms of life. He's equipped the church to deal with the issues. And because of that, I think the world has every right to look in on us and judge us for what we are or aren't doing to help with some of the storms of life to help with some of the storms that we face in our communities. I think we've got every right to do it. We're Christ's ambassadors. Look, this is challenging stuff, but let me just read you a bit of a longer quote here. This is from Tim Keller's book about Jonah. Um, this is what he says. He says, We are all believers and non-believers in the same boat. If crime plagues a community, or poor health, or water shortage or the loss of jobs, if an economy and social order is broken, we are all in the same boat. For a moment, Jonah lives in the same neighborhood with these sailors, and a storm that threatens one person threatens the entire community. Jonah fled because he did not want to work for the good of the pagans. He wanted to serve exclusively the interests of the believers. But God shows him here that he is the God of all people. And Jonah needs to see himself as being part of the whole human community and not just a member of the faith community. This has got me a little bit, right? Because as Christians, it can be too easy to get comfortable, can't it? It can be too easy to sit in here where it's safe and worship God together in one nice holy huddle. But actually, we should be out there. We should be making a difference in the storms of the world. 
We should be shining Christ's light in there. We should be the ones on the front line showing people that there's something, an answer that's even bigger to the storms of life. We should be doing something, shouldn't we? The captain had every right to rebuke Jonah. Jonah was a believer. He was the one with the answers, yet he was doing nothing to help with the situation. He was doing nothing. The sailor was right to rebuke him in the same way that the world looking in at us has every right to rebuke us and critique, and critique us if we're not doing what God's called us to do. And that's why I love the Serve Teaside stuff that's happening. I love it because that is the church going out and making a difference. That is the world looking in at that can see that the church cares about our community. That's why I love Open Door North East and the Hope Foundation because people can look in and say, this is Christians doing something about what, uh, the problems that we're facing, about unemployment, about asylum issues. Jubilee, let me say it again, we are God's answer to the storms of life. We need to point people towards hope and so often we fail to do it. So often we fail to do it. And when we do it, it leaves us feeling daft and stupid, doesn't it? When we've got the answer right here at the storms of life and we don't give it, it leaves us feeling ridiculous. So this is a daft story, but this week I had my very own Jonah and Captain moment. I love it when God does this because I, was, I planned this talk last week and I'd, I knew what I was going to say and then I had a situation this week which just fit in so well with this story. All right, because I was working in one of the schools that I go into and I've got a good relationship with their, with their teacher there. She knows that I'm a Christian and we've talked about faith for a few times, all right? And then we were just chatting, and, and she said, uh, she was telling me that she has a job interview for a new job. She said, oh, I've got a job interview for a job as a deputy head teacher in a school, and uh, I, I'm, I'm going this week. And she was telling me all about it, and I, I instantly went into, like, human mode, and I was like, oh, you'll do great. Just relax, you've got loads of experience. And I just kind of give her some blase answer. And as I was leaving, she was like, oh, so if you could pray for me, that would be great. I was like, oh, for goodness sake. That was my line. I was supposed to be the one saying I'll pray for you. I felt like God was like, Gavin, wake up, you complete Doyle. This was your line. Like, why didn't I say that? Why wasn't that my first response? I know it's a stupid story, it's a stupid example, but it's the same for us as a church. It's the same for us as a church. Guys, the world uh, are looking in on us as believers. What are we doing to respond to different situations? Your friends are going through difficulties. Are you bringing hope to them? Are you bringing a better viewpoint to them? We need to shine our light. I really believe this. If, if the band could come up, we're going to end in worship in a minute. But I want to end with one more massive challenging point. All right. I remember years and years ago when I was first a Christian, um, I did my first ever joining or intro course at the church in Darlington there. All right. And, they were talking about what the church is all about. They were saying, you know, what is the church all about? And I remember the lead elder, the lead um, guy there saying something which just stuck with me. It's like 12 years ago now or whatever, but it's just stuck with me. It, it kind of haunts me sometimes. He said this, he said, I want us to be a church that makes such an impact in our community that if we closed our doors, there would be an absolute uproar. I want the community to rely on us to see what we're doing, to care about the work that we're doing, and if for whatever reason we weren't here anymore, I want a massive hole to be left in that community. And I'm still challenged by that today. Because that's what we exist as, as a church, don't we? That's what we're here for. We're here to bring light into the storms of life. 
Jubilee, as I've said a couple of times now, we are God's response to the storm. We need to bring light into this dark world. We need to bring justice into the places where there is none. We need to be impacting our communities, both as individuals and corporately as a movement as well. And look, we do that a lot. I'm not saying that we don't do that. I'm not saying that you guys aren't shining lights. Please don't hear that. I'm just feeling challenged by this. What are we doing? We're God's response to the storms. Look, I'm not going to have a response time. I just want us to worship God and kind of let this rest on your heart a little bit. But I just want to end by just saying God's a God of grace. He calls all of us to make a difference. He does that, of course he does. He gives us a big calling, but he walks through that with us. He calls us to love him and to be sent out in that love. Our passion for him needs to motivate us. Please don't hear what I've said this morning and feel motivated and convicted and say we must be doing it because the world's looking at us. That's not how it works. We need to be shining our light into the world because we're motivated by God's love for us. We should never be motivated out of um, being religious or feeling like we have to do something. We should be motivated by God's grace. The reason we should be shining our light into the world is because we recognise the huge impact that God's made in our lives. Please just hear that as I finish. Look, I'd love us to stand. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to end in worship, if that's okay. I'll let you stand. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that as we've talked about today, Lord Jesus, during the storms of life, God, God, during the difficulties that we face, Lord, we've got your very presence living in us, Lord. God, we don't walk through these difficulties on our own. We don't tackle these storms on our own, but we do it with the very presence of the living God in us. Father, I pray would you remind us of that this morning. Lord, for anyone this morning going through a storm of life, I really pray, would you just put your hand on their life this morning? Would you reveal yourself to them afresh this morning? God, if anyone's trying to run away from you this morning or striving to do things on their own, Lord, I pray would you come right now and just in comfort and in love, just draw them back to you, Lord Jesus. And finally, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that, that as a church, as a Christian community, we are your response to the storms of life. Father, I pray would you help us to shine our lights into the world. Would you help us to shine your love into the world? Would we be people who bring hope? Would we be people who bring justice? Would we be people who shine your light into the storms of life that we see around us every day, Lord Jesus? God, would we be motivated by your grace? Would we be motivated by your love, Father? God, I thank you so much for all you've done this morning. Would you continue to work with us as we worship you, Lord?